0: Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. The headlights on both ends.
1: folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Midwest Ag Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Associate Editor Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. I really hope you guys had a meaningful Memorial Day weekend. What did you all do?
2: We went to a wedding in Hayes on Saturday, and Sunday we came home and didn't really do anything.
1: <laughs> Had the kids like their uh, like a wedding? Did you did you take the kids?
2: Yeah, the kids went. It was my my cousin. He got married on the Fort Hayes campus up in one of the the ballrooms and. Oh neat. The boys were. I think it was in the Union, the Student Union, or whatever they Memorial Union or something mm-hmm. they call it. I don't know. It's not my university. I don't know the buildings, but it's it was a pretty campus and they had a softball theme for the wedding. Oh okay. Because I like to play softball. <laughs>
1: So quick, quick little tidbit. Usually most unions on the campuses are memorial unions because they are memorials to the students that went off to war, usually either World War One or World War II. Really? Yes. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. Now you know. Isn't yeah. that fun? Yeah.
2: It was a beautiful building and it rained while we were at the reception and then we were lucky enough to avoid the rain going
1: home. Oh, wow. You just wiggled <laughs> in and out, didn't you? Yeah. Well, uh, my Memorial Day was uneventful. I stuck around the house for a little bit and, um, you know, remembered it in my own way. I, did, I was back home for the Bill Snyder 5K and half marathon. Let's not get excited, people. I did the 5K with my friends, not the half marathon, because <laughs> um, I don't run. I walk it. You're technically supposed to run this uh, 5K. Uh, yeah. No, we we made shirts that were matching shirts that had a little turtle on the front that says, I'm running and on the back we added the hashtag turtle herd <laughs> and you know it's a good day when you can get coach bill Snyder to smile at a group of middle-aged women wearing turtle shirts that say turtle herd <laughs>
2: <laughs> did he have any comments about the about the shirts
1: no no comments but a, a chuckle and a, and a smile and a <laughs> nod <laughs>
2: does he does he say much when he's at these events like not this not really
1: or? not really um He's just very, very, very gracious to take pictures and sign autographs for whoever, for however long that people are there, especially if you're a runner or if you're a participant or a family member, um, little kids. He's just always been so warm and generous when it comes to his time and the family. He really is. I don't think I've ever seen him with a handler, a university handler. Never. Not once.
2: Well, he probably doesn't need one. He's <laughs> he's, he's trained. He doesn't need a handler.
1: <laughs> well, no, not for him, though, but for crowd control. You know, I've, I've seen um, other universities with their coaches. There's usually somebody around them that's like, all right, now we have five minutes, and your five minutes is up. <laughs> I've seen some of our elected officials with handlers that are... With multiple handlers. Multiple handlers. <laughs> um, Coach Snyder, though, comes out with, uh, well, this year it was a paper cup, but I I tell the story about one year he was at the finish line, and I think he was holding one of his wife's good china cups full of of coffee in the rain. And (laughs) it looked like one of those, you know, really high-end, pretty, pretty matching sets, like those never leave the house. (laughs) Except with Coach. (laughs) Except with Coach. (laughs) And when we were taking pictures, I said, I kind of chuckled and I said, I bet your wife wants that cup back in one piece, and he just (laughs) kind (laughs) of grinned. But, yeah, Coach Snyder is always really, really warm and inviting. And this year, the 5K, we didn't break any land speed records. We are a herd of turtles, however. But we do that as a group of women. We get together. It's our girls' night out. So instead of going out and raising a ruckus – We go and we get a hotel room and (laughs) (laughs) this year we didn't even make it to Aggieville for supper. We, um, my friend and I, we went back to the hotel room about 630 with every intention of taking a quick nap and then off to dinner, you know. We took a nap and then we fell asleep.
2: (laughs) Wore you out.
1: We were just plum wore out. (laughs) But on the way home, we went and saw, we went out to Tuttle Creek to the dam to go and see the height of the water Mm -hmm. at Tuttle Creek And, oh, my goodness, Kayleen.
2: I noticed just a little bit ago they said they were going to start releasing the water today at 2 o'clock.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that will second-guess the Corps of Engineers, but I tell you what, they have decades of hydrological information at their fingertips. They understand the terrain better than anybody. They're doing the best that they can with the information that they have in front of them. So, you know, my hats are off to them for making the decision to open when they open, Um, they're doing the best they can.
2: And if all that flood control wasn't there, it'd be a whole lot worse than it it is right now at this moment.
1: That's just it. You know, when these things, when these dams were built back in the 50s, this is out of the modern memory of a lot of people. You know, the old timers remember when, um, the rivers would flood on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much, much better than it ever was back then, I guess. So.
2: My parents have a pond, and we call it the dam because it's a dam that's blocking the creek, to the, and it makes a pond. And when it runs over, it is destructive. And I can only imagine what it would be like if there was no dam right there, because there's a road very close to the to where the pond's at, and I, I, I can see where they're coming from. We're needing to control the flow a little bit. And yep. I believe that those things are in
1: place for a reason. They sure are. So um, here's a, a prayer for the folks that are downstream. Um, you know, just last night, we're recording this on Wednesday. On Tuesday night, western Kansas finally had, like southwestern Kansas, we were finally in the clear, but our friends to the east, they had – one heck of a wild night with tornadoes. Um, one almost hit Lawrence. I mean, yeah, uh, took out a couple of places in Linwood. Um, Got very know. close to Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, it. This has been just one anxiety-producing year. I don't think I've had a good night's sleep, Kayleen, because I'm either worried about myself, my family, or my friends. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, it didn't bother me that much. <laughs> if, well. Um, when our former colleague, uh, uh, Doug Rich, Doug and his wife, Barb, they live in, in Lawrence. And so I was on Facebook and I was tooling around there and he said, you know, sirens are off. We're in the basement. I, I don't think I breathed easy until about 10 minutes later when he came and said, we're okay. We're all clear. Yeah. So if you're in the path of these storms, please be safe. <laughs> um, pay attention to the weather people. And if you're one of those folks that thinks it'd be cool to pay somebody to ride along in a storm chaser vehicle to get your special shot, get photo. 15 seconds of fame. Um, yeah, please don't. Yeah. You know, I, I think I talked about this rant. I don't know if I talked about it last year with you or, or not, but I have an annual rant that I put up on Facebook, and pretty much it's this. You know that line from the movie Tornado where they go, we have debris. Debris? You know, it's flying cows and, and all sorts of, you know, equipment and such. Twister, you mean? Yeah. Did I call it tornado? You said tornado. Oh, well. <laughs> but so, I knew what you were talking about. Yeah. See, that's why we share a brain. <laughs> so you know that line in the movie Twister, right? Yep. So there are people that are like, and we have debris, we have debris, whenever they're videotaping a, a tornado, a funnel coming down. That debris is somebody's family is somebody's property is somebody's future is somebody's past all wrapped up in that Mm -hmm. so it's not a joke and it's not something that you go and and tour and take pictures of frankly that's just that that's just ghoulish and
2: no there was a post about it had a, a screenshot of all the storm chasers chasing this particular storm in oklahoma last week and You couldn't see the line that represented the highway in this screenshot because there were so many storm chasers. And I understand the information they provide to weather weather people and all the information they collect. The
1: professionals. The
2: professionals. But if you're an amateur with these big storms, you don't need to be out there.
1: Well, and if you're one of these people, like I said, that takes tourists on rides through storms. Yes. That's not an adventure. That's not a... That's not a zip line through the the rainforest. That's not not river rafting on the rapids.
2: I know when there was a tornado very close to the west side of Dodge three years ago, Mm -hmm. I encountered a van full of weather tourists, and I was not very pleased that they were blocking the road to get to my parents' house. Because the storm was very close to their house, and it was made me very, very
1: angry. <laughs> well, they're blocking the road for you. And, they're blocking yeah. it for first responders. Yes. They're blocking it for the professionals that need to get through there, yes. so that they can show us on TV the path of this storm and where it's going. Yes, I'm not going to lie. I follow the stuff on TV because I we need to know. Yes, you know, when we had our brush with the tornadoes last week or so, I was watching the professional chasers on TV mm-hmm. and. They have they have uh, guidelines that they go through and they have a process that they go through of, of how to report and what to report and yeah. where to report it from. You know, they're not just going out there and yee we got us a jacked up rig and, yeah. you know, climb on in, Patsy, let's go see what <laughs> it all looks like. No. yeah, Just enough with the storm tourism already. I will take... Anybody, a tourist, I will will take all sorts of tourists coming out to southwest Kansas. We've got rodeos that are great. We've got Boot Hill Museum. We've got all sorts of attractions. But you know what? Our natural disasters are not tourism. No. So there. (laughs) She said her piece. I have said my piece. I have counted to ten and stamped my foot. Don't get her started. (laughs) (laughs) I don't rant a lot, do I? Sometimes she gets on one. Well. This one was, yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Um, We are still in the middle of some rain predicted for the rest of the week, right, Kayleen?
2: Yeah, but the chances are very small compared to what they were last week and earlier (sighs) this week. so.
1: So how that affects us out here in farm country, Kayleen, you've got livestock. How are the livestock handling all of this rain? Well...
2: Ours aren't, I mean, our horses aren't pinned up, they're turned out, so it's not as hard to do chores in the evening and feed, so that's a good thing that they're turned out, but if you need to put out a bale, if you need to go, you know, fix the water gap, it's it's, it's kind
1: of a process just to get through the mud sometimes. Well, and by putting out a bale, she's talking a big, giant, round bale of hay, not just, you know, one of those dainty little small square bales Mm -hmm. that we get. (laughs) You've got to use equipment, and equipment gets stuck in the mud. You get stuck in the mud. Horses get stuck in the mud. Um, Mud's not all that good. Don't get me wrong. We appreciate the moisture. Um, but We just don't need it all at once. (laughs) You get three years' worth of rain all at once. It's kind of (laughs) tough. You know, for for crop guys, right now, we've talked a lot about prevent plant 19. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. If you're not in agriculture, there are, there is a certain window that you can get the crop into the field. And we have to hit that window in order for the crop to have enough time to grow so that it is at the right stage at harvest and the right timing of harvest. Yeah. If we get it delayed into the ground, we delay harvest at the back end. Um, if we plant the wrong kind of seed, we could have we could wind up with a train wreck at harvest at the other end. So that's one thing that the guys are are paying attention to. We also have deadlines for crop insurance that we have to meet in order to get the crop into the ground, mm-hmm. and those are coming up quick, fast, in a hurry. Yes, um, there's some estimates right now in, in the Corn Belt that they are, what is it, 80 percent behind schedule. Yeah, I think that's the number I saw. Yeah, somewhere around 80% behind schedule. That means they have 80% of the ground that should be planted right now that has not even been touched yet. It's not dry enough to get in there with the equipment to plant the seeds. That's going to be a big problem for those communities. Yeah, I saw a picture on
2: Twitter yesterday that
1: it was a farmer
2: in Illinois that had taken a picture of his neighbor that had left the tractor in the field With the planter, everything's still attached, and the corn behind the planter is up and growing, and he wasn't able to finish the field because it was too wet.
1: Yeah. Um, This season is going to be a challenge for our farmers and ranchers. So, if you're out there and you're wondering, you know, what's the big deal? I thought you all were praying for rain. Well, (laughs) yes. Um, This has filled some ponds, shall we say. But... At some point in time, we kind of need it to dry up. And and I'm looking at my wheat guys right now that are at least a month out till harvest. It's going to be June 1st this Saturday. Usually, we've got a lot of combines heading into this town by June 1st, and everything is delayed about four weeks. They're still green. I mean, everything's green. I haven't seen anything start to turn. And some of that wheat's got really, really wet feet. Yes. And it's going to drown out there in the field, and you're going to see some some really light spots here shortly um, where it's discolored and that doesn't mean that the wheat's ready to harvest that just means it's giving up the ghost yeah so yeah that's farm country in a nutshell right now (laughs) it's oh so good (laughs) yeah well so if you're in the shop or in the farm office like we said last week and you're catching up on your podcast thanks for joining us thanks for riding along with us And uh, we'd love to hear from you about your delayed planting and just what you're doing to fill that time. So maybe you got an art project in the welding bay or you're working on that honeydew list. I saw on Twitter the other day a gentleman was building a deck and building uh, uh, steps to his front part of his house. (laughs) Um, He's going through the honeydew list before he hits the field. So that's one good thing, I guess, about the rain. Anyway, drop us a line at hpjtalk at hpj.com. Let us know what you're up to instead of planting. So in this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories you might have missed in the May 27th print edition. We're going to have part two of our interview with Natasha Nichols of the blog Houseful of Nichols, where we learn how agriculture can improve its relationship building online. And then, of course, Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have some final thoughts. So if you're one of the lucky ones listening to us in the tractor cab, be safe out there. We know you got to get it in quick, but be safe. And if you're waiting out the rain in the shop, we're still thinking of you and praying for some drying winds. And thanks for choosing to ride with us on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story was from web editor Shawna Rumbaugh. Prairie Preservation – New State Park will expand conservation mission of Historic Ranch. Shawna writes about the development of the Little Jerusalem Badlands State Park, the newest park in Kansas, which can be found in Logan County. The Nature Conservancy and the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism are partnering to preserve the rock formations and fossils there, while still connecting visitors to the native grass prairie for generations. See more photos and video online at hpj.com. Inside, on page 3B, Jenny
2: previews National Festival of Breads June 8th in Manhattan, Kansas. We chatted with Kansas Wheat, Cindy Falk, and Julene Durauchi. in our May 13th podcast. You can find this full schedule online at nationalfestivalofbreads.com.
1: On our Opinions and Editorial page, 4B, Managing Editor Dave Bergmeyer introduces the 2019 All Aboard Wheat Harvest Tour. You can read our introductions of our correspondence on pages 10 through 12b and follow along with them on the harvest trail this year online at allaboardharvest.com. Then on page 8 and 9b, Kayleen brings us information on balancing crop nutrition for better alfalfa yield and quality. Kurt Wolfolk of the Mosaic Company spoke at the Dodge City Alfalfa U, which is sponsored by Alpharex Seeds, John Deere, and High Plains Journal. In the
2: livestock section, contributor Lacey Newland writes about Beyond Meat and interviews Corbett Wall, a livestock market analyst in Canyon, Texas, who warns that this fake meat company should be taken seriously. Remember, if you have a response to something you've read or heard, or there's a local topic that you'd like to bring to the attention of our readers and listeners, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or talk at hpj.com or you can always call us at the office 1-800-452-7171. We want to hear from you.
1: In last week's episode, we introduced you to Natasha Nichols of the blog Houseful of Nichols. Natasha is a Chicago mom, homeschooler, gardener, and has the We Sow, We Grow project that brings gardening to her Chicago neighborhood. In this second half of our interview, we talk with Natasha about her interactions with agricultural voices online and how we in production agriculture might improve our communication to consumers removed from the land.
2: Well, that kind of leads into my next question. Um, Chicago's a long way from Western Kansas, and I don't believe I've ever been to Chicago.
1: I have twice.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is something you wish our listeners would understand about your audience? You know, the people that are working with you and your city and your neighbors and that sort of thing.
3: Oh, there's so much. Uh, first of all, Chicago's not. The wild, wild west and all. Uh, so you come, um, you're, you're not going to get mugged or shot, um, even though that's, that's what leads on media. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of frustrating, but I mean, we here kind of know, is it annoying sometimes to have things like that happen? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's annoying in any city yeah. to have it happen. That we are also a lot nicer than, than people give us credit for. I think when, when you have a city with a population of 7 million people, people assume that folks don't speak. And you have that more downtown Chicago rather than a neighborhood. If you're in a neighborhood and you speak, people are going to speak back. Um, it's like I said, it's a city built on neighborhoods and we have a total of 102, you know, different neighborhoods and they're, they're rich in culture and history and everything. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's one of those places where you can't visit one and see everything. You'll never, ever be able to do that. Um, it's, it's not something. I've lived here all my life. And like I said, I'll be 40 next year, and I still haven't seen all that there is to offer. And I think that's what's exciting about about the, the city. And there's more of an ag movement here than people give us credit for.
1: Well, because Chicago, so, yeah. yeah, you have such a background with the meatpacking and, and um, you know, some, you're right there in the... And the yeah, we have the yards and
3: everything yeah. so, um, back, back here. The the problem, though, is I do feel like there's a lot of uh, garden shaming, food shaming. So if you don't grow organic heirlooms or, or you know, um, then you're not as welcome sometimes. Huh. That's, that's a feel that I get. Like if you don't shop from farmer's markets where all of the farmers free range and, you know, whatever.
1: Colin the chicken Uh, got a story read to him every day at three. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. So people kind of look at you, cockeyed. And then there's (laughs) me, you know, who will let people know, okay, first of all, nothing on this farm is GMO because I can't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) There's the thing, you know, and and nothing. So when people say GMO free on their urban farm, they're just saying that it's it's not like they can get GMO Mm seeds at all. So if you, you understand that you understand a lot and hybrid does not equal, GMO, which confuses way more people than oh, yeah. I anticipated. Yeah. And the best way for me to have described that to a lot of the people who came the last three years to our, our farm was, hey, you all are hybrid. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait, what? And I said, <laughs> yeah, you take, you take basic character traits from your mom and then basic character traits from your dad. And then they mush them together and that's how you're a hybrid. Uh, and then we're all kind of genetically modified because as humans, we've acclimated ourselves to the situation that the earth provided. So I'm, I'm trying to be better, um, with the language because I do feel that, that farmers kind of hid all of that language for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then it got away from them. So they weren't able to control the narrative Mm -hmm. like they wanted to. So, you know, we're starting, we're starting with the kids. And then letting them know you decide what you want to eat, but realize that one or the other isn't worse or better. You're you're still eating, and you're you're eating food that's safe because nobody's going food that's that's horrible and then feeding it to
1: their family. Well, right, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we took for granted so much out here that you know we we just talk amongst ourselves. Like Kayleen and I were talking. The last time I got to go to Chicago, I, t- I was able to ride the train from Dodge City all the way to Chicago, the Southwest Chief, mm-hmm. and and it was really cool because I'd never been on a train before, but I'd also never been in that train station before. Oh, we, Union Station. Yeah, and so it was it was <laughs> kind of it, it it was kind of Country Mouse coming to the city kind of thing. <laughs>
3: it's a huge it's a huge station. Union Station is a huge station. It but is not bigger than Union Station in. Um, New York, which right. even marvels me. Like mm-hmm. Union Station in New York is just a, it's a sight
0: to behold. So yeah. no, there's
1: bigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy buckets! Well, so on the flip side, is there something that you're curious about out here? I mean, we've had the beef versus dairy cow kind of discussion, but you know, is there something that recently's popped up and you're like, I, I wonder about that in Western Kansas? I mean, we've had weather out here and. Um, Chicago gets a lot of different weather too, but um, you know, is there anything that that we can kind of open the door for?
3: Ooh, I don't know. I know that I met at the Everything Food Conference. We met the Kansas Soybean Association. Now, uh-huh. um, I visited a soybean farm in in Illinois, so it's not it's not really one of those things. But I think that I was... as As someone growing, because we tried edamame Mm -hmm. last year and it did not work well at all. I don't know if I didn't have enough plants. I don't know if, you know, Chicago weather, but I would love to visit a farm again, you know, not with 30 other women. (laughs) (laughs) Because I work with Illinois uh, farm families with their city moms program. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot to to be able to answer questions succinctly, you know, for 30 different people. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I give them credit. But it would be nice to visit a farm again because I know that they just did a tour with several uh, several bloggers. So I followed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You all may also be well. Illinois is pretty flat too, <laughs> but I think Chicago got its first tornado, or well, my first, but first that I've ever experienced in my life living yeah. here back in 2010 it or was 12. From and recently. it scared the Jesus <laughs> out of me. Oh yeah. Uh, it was it was pretty it was pretty pretty dark and very super windy. So, um, asking questions about how, you know, farmers take into account that type of weather. And the fact that I think all farmers are at twenty, what, four percent planting now yeah. this season, when last season, last year they were at eighty five or ninety five percent. So, you know, how you take into account, you know, weather when when Stupid weather won't stay above 70 yeah. and dry at all. <laughs> oh, we're, yeah. having, we're having the same issue up here, and it's um, driving me crazy. So I can only imagine if it's my you know livelihood, how I would feel.
1: Yeah, so the delayed planting, how they might adjust with that is um, all those different corn hybrids that we were talking about, um, mm-hmm. some of them will grow their shorter season or longer season. So the shorter season ones take longer or take less time. To, to mature, to uh, harvestable size. But that is if you can source that seed. So everybody else is in the same position that you're in with the, you know, they can't get into the field. Um, it's too soggy. And so you've got, you're coming up on, you've already spent a whole bunch of money for crop inputs that are sitting in your, in your, um, your fields right now, w- ready to to put the crop in, some of those crop inputs, like um, you know, like your your pre-plant uh um inoculants and stuff, inoculants and the and the things that you would put down, um, herbicides and fertilizers to prep that seed bed. Some of that's washed away, or it's leached out, or mm-hmm. you know, this not, not where, where you it, left it. It's not where you <laughs> left it. So you're out that money. Then you're facing okay, do I do I go ahead and put the crop in the ground and just plant for crop insurance because, you know, I took crop insurance out on this and at least I'll be able to recoup 60% of my costs that I'm out of. I won't be whole, um, and that's that's one thing, crop insurance, people often don't understand is that it doesn't make everything whole. It's not like you get a brand new house. If, if you get flooded out, it's, you know, it will cover 60% of, of your costs, but the 40% that you're out, that's on you, buddy. Yeah.
3: Um, I don't think any insurance people, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're like, ah, uh, but you're getting money back, and it's like, yeah, yeah, this, no. I, no. I don't, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> we're coming from both sides
1: of the coin. Well, I uh, think of the coin here. Yeah, and then um, it's kind of a little bit more disconcerting because if you're a younger farmer, say our age, forty-one and younger, um, you're start, you're still pretty much starting out. You're midlife of trying to build up equity. That you can take to the banker and say, "Can you give me an operating loan so I can buy seed and crop and put for next year's crop?" And hopefully pay you back. <laughs> and hopefully pay you back. and and so folks like us that are looking at, okay, if I can't get that crop in the field, how am I going to pay back that operating loan? And if I've had two or three years of bad weather, one reason or another, drought, flooding, you know, tornadoes, hurricanes, how many more years is the banker going to say you know what we'll we'll roll the dice and, and go again you know sometimes the older farmers that have had more time to build up their equity they also have built up more land and equipment and so they're in a better position to kind of weather these storms uh-huh. so it's kind of a perfect storm if <laughs> there's a, there's a lot <laughs> going on <laughs> But if you well, was... I mean,
3: the, the the flooding that that in general um, has been happening, yeah, and, and the wet weather between Nebraska and just everybody saying. in Colorado. Um, I don't know how many farmers I know that live in Colorado, mm-hmm. but they're still getting snow. Oh yeah, it's, it's almost June, so it's it's just it's very odd. Yeah.
1: It's, um so the the guys I've, I hang around with, um, they really look at the, the long-term weather patterns, and when uh-huh. they first started seeing that there was going to be hints of an El Nino weather pattern this year, they really kind of paid attention and perked their ears, and they tried to, to kind of put themselves, position themselves a little bit better, because an El Nino weather pattern is usually massive amounts of snow in the wintertime, heavy amounts of rain in the springtime. It's just, you get three years worth of moisture dumped on you in 10 months. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, where a La Nina is more drought. So, um, and that, those weather patterns, this is what's fascinating and something that that your kids might find kind of cool if you ever do a weather project, but um, all those weather patterns are based off of a one degree temperature change in, in the ocean by Peru. <laughs> 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 I mean, there's nothing that we can control about that. We can just kind of plan ahead, but um for the most part, there's there's going to be some some folks out here that are a little bit more worried than they have been in the past. That's a little bit more stressed than we've had on us in in recent times and we've had drought out the out the wazoo out here, so you you're starting to see more guys kind of plan for stuff like this though with the use of cover crops and no till, just trying to capture and and take that moisture down into the soil. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, good questions. Uh, cool. I hope I answered. <laughs> you did. You did.
3: You know, we think of, we think of uh, El Nino as, as super warm weather up here. Yeah. You know, where we didn't have, we, we didn't even take, well, when, we, when, when I experienced my first El Nino. Oh, gosh. Was that 90s? Mm-hmm. Late 90s or early 2000s? Yeah. I wasn't... Thinking about farmland at all we were thinking about uh, the ridiculously warm weather that we were we were continuing to get late into the season and how and how nice it was in a city that's typically uh, freaking cold yeah. um, so it's, it's, it's those connections I think that are important to, to, to discuss where degree temperature degrees fluctuations uh, affect every kind of like when they say you know if a butterfly flaps its wings somewhere it can yeah. change everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things, and we might actually do a unit with with the school that we're connected to with the with the farm. So that would be
1: interesting to do. Yeah, it's kind of it was kind of cool. It is kind of fascinating. The first time I you know really understood it, I was in college in an in an ag science class of some sort, and it kind of blew my mind. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) You're telling me a one degree temperature change all the way in Peru has something to do with how much water we're gonna get in Southwest Kansas? And the professor's like, yep, how is this something new to you? And I'm like, I must have slept through that weather class. (laughs) Well, hey, Natasha, thank you so very much. We could talk to you all day. Thank you for coming on HPJ Talk. Thank you for having me. Aw, now, folks, if you want to catch up with House Full of Nichols, you can visit Natasha's blog, House Full of Nichols. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-E-S dot com. You can follow her on Twitter at Natasha Nichols, or you can catch up with the We Sow We Grow page on Facebook. Um, I joined the other day. I, I hope I answered a good question. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I always worry. I go back in and see. We've been doing, we've been doing a whole lot. And the questions are coming fast and furious now because everybody's getting stuff in the ground. So, yes, come in and join.
1: Join us. <laughs> Thank you for what you do, Natasha. And maybe on your next family road trip, you can come out this way and we can show you the kiddos' High Plains Agriculture. And we may even have a few connections we can pull to take you out to a feedlot if you want.
3: Oh, nice. <laughs> I know, right?
1: Um that smell is money. We promise.
3: Uh, yeah, I've I've been the one in Omaha. Um, ah. That was that was uh, I took a um, photo. I'm, it's actually around this time, a couple years ago, where the the cattle looked like a rock band. Uh-huh. They're staring directly directly in my camera, so I'm going to have to reshare
1: that. They're um, about to drop, drop the football. sickest beats. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Natasha. Hey, we'll see you on the Twitterverse, okay? I'll see you there.
2: Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Pride Ag Resources on May 21st, corn was up at $3.74, wheat was up at $3.91, milo was up at $3.24, and soybeans were down at $6.77.
1: Well, joining us on the podcast today is Jeff Nemacek. You are one of our livestock marketing specialists here at High Plains Journal. How's it going, Jeff?
0: Great. you
1: guys? Good, good. Why don't you tell us about our event that's coming
2: up, Cattle U, that's at the end of July 1st, part of August.
0: You bet, yeah. Cattle U is an event that's coming up uh, July 31st and August 1st there at Dodge City, uh, in conjunction with Dodge City Days, and it is an uh, event that is an educational-based event with a trade show, and uh, basically producers can come and gain practical and useful uh, learning techniques uh, to the hopefully impact their bottom line.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun. So you've been on the planning committee. What is something that you're looking forward to when it comes to Cattle U?
0: Sure. One of the things that I I really want to sit in on is uh, our marketing panel. And uh, we have uh, several of the uh, top managers from some of the cell barns in our area that are going to sit on the panel and give guys uh, a chance to know what they need to do to get top dollar of their calves when they bring them to the barn.
1: You know, that's going to be an, an interesting panel because you're going to have the folks right there that are, um, you know, behind the scenes, they see a lot of cattle every single week come through their barns, and they can be the, the best judges of some of the trends that we're seeing out there and how you might capture that trend and, and capture that value, Right.
0: You bet. That that that's what I'm really looking forward to. You know, I talk to several of those guys on a weekly basis, and uh, you know, just to sit down and and let them talk and answer questions. That's what I'm really looking forward to.
1: That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: and they're all such big personalities. It's probably going to be entertaining too. <laughs> well, well,
1: so I if if I've heard right, um, we're going to have Jerry Nine on that panel panel, right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> So for those readers that are also our listeners, um, your favorite columnist, Jerry Nine is going to be at Cattle U, so you don't want to miss this. Hey, Jeff, where can we go for registration information and um, for more information about the schedule?
0: You bet. Uh, go simply to our website, which is CattleU, just the letter U, dot net. So that's C-A-T-T-L-E-U dot net. Or you can reach us at our 1-800 number, which
1: is 1-800-452-7171. Sounds good. All righty. Well, we will see you all in Dodge City, Kansas, July 31st and August 1st for Cattle U. Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you later. You bet. Thanks, guys. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly
2: to you, sign up for our HPJ direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com sign signup. Simply select the topics that interest you, and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email.
1: Next week's print issue of High Plains Midwest Ag Journal is our beef issue, with a story previewing our upcoming cattle ewe July 31st and August 1st. Be sure to watch for that in your mailboxes June 3rd. And look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com
2: podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJTalk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com.
1: Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail.
2: This has been a production of High Plains Journal, all rights reserved.
0: Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle love with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day